Hello, welcome to the Outpreneurs Podcast. This is the group that talks about a weekly hangout. We uh, are part of uh, iOS Stack hyphen friends Slack community. Uh, I am uh, the host, Paul Kemp, and this is a hangout that is brought to you by the combined efforts of myself um, with the App Guide podcast and also Indie iOS Focus Weekly and then our community iOS Stack hyphen friends. So the App Guide podcast does have several hundred interviews um, with app founders and you can find that at theappguide.co and also uh, in the iOS Focus Weekly is a newsletter with thousands of subscribers and uh, and you can sign up at indieiosfocus.curated.co and then uh, the Slack group uh, which you, if you are listening to this as a podcast and you haven't joined do go and join iOS Stack hyphen friends you can find a link at theappguide.co and you'll find lots of um, a community in there where they can help you. Uh, just go to theappguide.co forward slash iOS stack hyphen friends. There you go. So, hi guys, it's been a while. Uh, let's, should we jump into the one minute so that we can remind each of ourselves uh, what we do? Um, Chris, you're on the far left. You may as well um, go first. Sure. Um, I'm an app developer, uh, iOS, and uh, so I do some contract work. I have my own apps in the store. I uh, started building apps in about 2011, um, learned by myself with pretty much no experience, uh, uh, computer science experience. Um, I also have a regular day job, which uh, as of June 1st, I'll be uh, uh, taking that down to just one day a week, and I'm really excited about that. Of course, uh, pretty pretty terrified too, because I'll be uh, generating all my own income at that point, and I also uh, am the founder of Indie iOS Dev Weekly, which is a, a weekly newsletter, comes out every Thursday uh, of curated news in the iOS world. I try to uncover stuff that's missed by some of the bigger, um, more established newsletters. Um, that's about it. Yeah, just before we carry on, I want to say a big, massive uh, um, shout out to you, Chris. You're leaving your job. You're following your passion. It's just so inspirational to. To know that we've been part of you know your journey as you've done that, so congratulations from me and I guess everyone here. Yeah, thank you, Paul. It's it's like I said, it's uh it's very exciting, uh, but it's also pretty scary because um, like uh, your story that you told last week, you know, there's just so many doubts you have in your mind, and um, I keep thinking of that word infinity you said last week because uh, of all the times I've thought, oh, can I do this, or uh, you know, just having that doubt. So I'm really excited, but man, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> well, we're here. We're here for you, Chris. We are. Thank um, you, thank so, you, sir. <laughs> D Darren, um, you're back with us. Um, to give us a, in a minute what you're up to. Yeah, so I've just spent a couple of weeks on holiday. Um, so uh, I create apps for iOS apps for people. I've been doing that uh, basically doing apps for uh, 16 years now on various platforms. I do specialize in working with customers that sort of uh, are keen to use the lean startup methodology. Um, I like to work with them right from the inception of the app, right to getting on the app store and like multiple versions, and just have long-term relationships with clients. So uh, that's what I do at the moment. I'm really trying to get into uh, online training though, and uh, ever endeavouring to do that. So that's me, really. Fantastic, Je Jeffrey. Are you able to unmute yourself and give us in a minute your what you're doing and your biggest challenges. Sure. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Jeffrey Romano. Um, I'm the P 
PR and community manager at Sheduit. Um, for those who don't know, Sheduit is a business matchmaking app. The purpose of the app is to help people network and meet new people. Um, what's special about the app is that it uses an, an AI algorithm, artificial intelligence algorithm, to match users based on complementary interests and um, match them also on location. Uh, Sheduit is used a lot at, at events and uh, at the moment one of my biggest challenges is related to that with you know, connecting with um, event planners around the world um, so that, um, yeah, I mean, I can showcase Sheduit to them and help them improve the networking at their events. Fantastic, Jeffrey. Excellent. Rouse, um, uh, give us your, what you're doing and your um, biggest challenge right now. Hi, uh, I'm Rouse. I'm the co-founder of Stumble on Stuff, um, and which is a marketplace for uh, buying and selling stuff locally. Uh, we offer uh, users uh, same-day delivery or delivery within 48 hours. Um, and uh, my biggest challenge at the moment is uh, connecting with potential sellers um, so that when the, when the app launches that uh, it won't be an empty room. Right. Uh, and this is the website, Stumble on Stuff, yeah? Yes, that's the website. StumbleOnStuff.com, there you go. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Okay, uh, hello, my name is uh, Paul Kemp and I am the host of the App Guy podcast. It's a podcast that uh, I passionately follow, interviewing lots of uh, founders and uh, startup people around the world. You can join by subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Just search Paul Kemp, P-A-U-L-K-E-M-P, in any podcasting app. You should discover the content. Uh, I've just worked on the archives, so I've got now a lot of archives part one, part two, part three, so if you've missed some episodes, they're all really worth it. My biggest challenge right now is connecting with founders who are starting a team and uh, growing a team. So that's founders going through an incubator or an accelerator. So any connections you can make or anything, anything you see online, please let me know. Uh, great. Uh, okay, so um, the next part of the agenda is, um, uh, yeah, we're going to learn something from our good friend Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you're going to teach us about a book this week, I believe. Uh, is that right? No, no, it wasn't oh, me. It was okay, sorry. <laughs> Chris, who, who's on for the educational bit this week? Uh, I believe that's Ross. Oh, is that right? <laughs> no, oh, no, no, it's, it's Darren. Darren. Sorry, it's Darren. It's Darren. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're so excited about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, just get, I'll get straight into it anyway. So um, over the past couple of weeks, I've read a book called Clients First, The Two-Word Miracle. I don't know if anyone's read it. It's uh, uh, written by a couple of estate agents in the States. And um, the, their philosophy, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense, really, but it's just like a, a real compilation of just thoughts on how you should put the clients first rather than spending all your time on sales. You should just concentrate on treating your clients really well. And... So what, what I've done is, I, as I read through it, because, you know, I've, I've been on holiday, so I've had a bit of time. So as I read through it, I, I sort of turned that into a personal policy document for clients. That's the grand title of it, anyway. So the idea are, the idea is... Sorry, um, Darren, is this it here? Can you see my screen? Um, I can't see your screen yet. Oh, okay. It's by Joseph Calloway. 
Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Sorry. Okay, there you go. Right. So all, all of the stuff that I'm going to read out is from the book, but it's just, I've just, it's my interpretation of it anyway. So I just got nine little thoughts, that my key takeaways from the book. So the first one is uh, this stress, stress is complete honesty with your with your clients, and that, that's pretty obvious really, because you know if you've ever told a white lie to a client, it it usually comes back to bite you, and it, it just makes dealing with them quite difficult because you know it's, it's far easier to talk fluently with a client that you you've been 100% truthful with. So that I mean that's the key takeaway from the book really. Um, Another one, number two, is uh, turn away. So, if um, if you're dealing with a client or a project that really you seem you think it's pretty unviable, or it's not really for you, that you can't really give them any value, then just turn that work away. And that's that's something I've done for quite a while anyway. So, that's one of the things that really um, really caught on with me with the book anyway. Um, the client is not always right, so should be brave enough to step up and just say when they're wrong. Uh, if if they're not going to accept what you say, then they really aren't worth dealing with because they sh should be coming to you for advice and take your advice. And obviously, they've got their own opinions to take into account. And you know that's just the way things work. But if they're fundamentally wrong and you, you're you're special, you know it's your area, then you've either got to tell them or just back out of that work. Uh, so number four as well is. Um, be the best. So that that's just really specialising in one particular area. And um, you know, one of the things that they say is um, is to uh, oh, I'm just trying to get my words right here. Uh, I, I'm just going to move on because I, I just don't want to repeat myself. That's what I was worried about. I'm going to repeat myself when I come to the next rule. So yeah, okay. number five is uh, become domain inquisitive. So that's. That's really, uh, for example, with apps, it would be, I don't know if you've ever created an app for someone and they've, uh, you've looked at the spec and not really understand who, you don't really understand who it's for, um, but you've gone along with it and created the app. And I think if you spend a little bit of time uh, at the start just really trying to understand uh, that, that domain that they're, that they're working in, you can actually, right from the start, right from the, the spec, you, you can suggest how it might you might be able to make it easier for their users because you're going to understand that domain. So just by spending a little bit of time, a little bit of research, uh, looking into uh, their, their customers and what, what they're likely to use the app for makes things a lot easier. So that's I'm always going to sort of really put some time into that from now on. And th these are all things from the book. I'm not this is not my this is not my theory. Um, the other one that I didn't want to go over was specialized. So um, <clears throat> Uh, you want to specialize in a certain area, which I suppose is the same as be the best. I think maybe I'll switch those, those two policies are the same. So in, in specializing, uh, they, they, was, they were saying, for example, you want to, you know, it's the same, it is the same as be the best. You, you want to spend time just researching your, your area. And they were saying, for example, spending all your time uh, that you travel, listening to audio books, which I'm sure we all do from, you know, we all listen to podcasts. Uh, but listening to audiobooks and just just becoming really good at what you do, and um, rather than just being a jack of all trades, because uh, I, I think nowadays with the ability to find, <clears throat> you know, people to do work for you, you can find real specialists nowadays. You know, with the internet and things. So I think you've got to be a specialist nowadays, and you've got to be good as well, because it's quite easy to to get the the good people, particularly well if you're prepared to pay anyway. Uh, seven is a reiteration on. on complete honesty and it's 
it's never lie, not even a white lie. That, that they stress this a lot in the book. That you know, you, even even if it's a you know, you sometimes tell white lies just to dish over something that it's better if they don't know, the clients don't know. But you you know, it's something, and you you're just covering it up to just simplify things. It's it's actually best to to be complete honesty, and that's the sort of white lie thing. Uh, number eight, I've got as uh, check in once the work's over. Uh, you've done some work for a client, you should you should make the effort in, with complete honesty to just check on work that you've done in the past, check that everything's going well without any intention of getting any future work. And if anything, even if they don't want any extra work and they tell you that everything's going fine, that's just a real boost to your confidence anyway. And if it's not going fine, you might be able to just tell them something for free, basically, that's going to help them out quite a lot. And, you know, it's just a really, real good relationship builder there. And number nine, the final one is, uh, so this is something I started doing uh, uh, last year, was whenever I speak to someone on the phone, I, I just try try to have a little chat with them first, just trying to find out, just like be personal with people. And uh, this is something, you know, that they're saying in the book, is you just try and get on with people and uh, find out, you know, what makes them tick and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, that's it, really. I, I thought it was a great book, though. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's just the honesty that runs through the whole book that I like, and I think if you can if you can work like this and you're good at what you do, you can be truly happy, you know, and you can make people happy, and that that that's it really. So that's that, my yeah. that is great. Uh, I've got. Uh, does anyone have any questions for Darren? Uh, did, my did my question is, I just wondered if uh, how many of us have clients. <laughs> Um, do we all have clients, or? Yeah, I I'm working on that. Yeah, I have clients too. Yeah, I mean, one thing I I, I have clients, and uh, I, I've noticed that since people come to me now through like you know the content, the podcast, I really enjoy working with these people. And in the past, it wasn't the case. And I remember using a strategy, I don't know if anyone's heard of it, where you resign a client, which is, uh, it's really fun. You send them a letter, you say, uh, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to resign you as a client. <laughs> the, it, it was great, it felt great, because just the pain that this client puts you through, you know, for like hardly anything, it, it, it uh, yeah, it made a big difference to, you know, my the way I felt. So. Well, that could be that could be you not following my rules two and three, which is turn away, and the client is not always right. That's yes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of the eighty percent, twenty percent rule because a lot of times twenty percent of your revenue is generated by you know the the eighty percent trouble clients. So you know you want to cut those out and focus on the ones that are you know creating revenue for you and and uh, know when you have to cut somebody. And that's all. That's all. Always where, as you probably know, it's it's where you're creating the value for people, isn't it? You know, it's if you if you go and if you go and create an app that you don't like, it's it just seems wrong from the onset. You don't like the people you're working with. It's always going to be trouble. Well, you're yeah. not going to put yourself into it as much as uh, you would. That's it's just right. human nature. Yeah. <laughs> so really, it's just uh, just it's one of those books that just tells you many of the things that you know already, but it's nice to just read it and have it. A and it uh, was written by a real estate agent, is that what you said? Uh, by two, yeah. They're, yeah, they're yeah. Actually, they've actually done really well. Uh, I don't have to pull out the site. They're billions, I think, they've uh, done in revenue. So 
probably not. Yeah. Well, that's a very good uh, uh, profession to study when it comes to dealing with clients because they, mm -hmm. you know, that's just the top of it right there. Yeah. One of the points that I really liked is when you mentioned uh, following up with clients and seeing if they have any issues. And, you know, when you do that, that could be a really good source of earning referrals uh, later on. Yeah, definitely. I, but, I mean, uh, some, something that's not in there is something I always do, and I, I do pester people a lot, even when I'm currently working with people, because that's the, actually the best time to get referrals, I think. is. Um, but even afterwards, like you say, you, you, just, you just put it at the end of the sentence. I mean, it's, you are being honest, you know, but you, you can just say, look, is there anyone else that you know at the moment who it might be looking or anything like that? And, you know, it, it does sound a bit like a sales call when you say it like that, and you've got to be careful. But um, sometimes they just bring it up, you know, they'll say, are oh, you busy at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, um, I asked uh, my contract for a uh, testimonial too that I'm going to put on my freelance website. And um, I have not asked him um, for referrals yet, but that's on my agenda because we're nearing the end of uh, the contract. <clears throat> yeah, fine. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely a great idea. I mean, that's where you're going to. I mean, the the gentleman that I built the app for, he is a, a businessman and has a lot of contacts in the business world. Uh, just from talking to him, I can tell. And I, I, uh, you know, that could definitely turn into something. Uh, he could refer somebody to me. Yeah, I find the best way to get references from people is when you speak to them on the phone, uh, because. 90% of the time people will obviously still say they're going to do a reference for you, but it's just time and they can't be bothered really. And not can't be bothered, you know, they're too busy, I'll say. Um, <clears throat> a good way of doing it is if, is if you just if you just say to them, would it be okay if you said such something like, and then you sort of get them to tell you on the phone, and then you write it down. Because mm. if you just get it out of the way, then it, they know that it's not something they're going to have to remember to do. And... Um, I find the best ones, I've got a few on my site, just the best ones are even one sentence. You don't need a paragraph. You're just a sentence like, you know, Darren created our app from start to finish and it was great. You know, it's just that those are, those are the best references, I think. Yeah, exactly. You could also, um, I mean, uh, you could also use audio uh, for getting a test, audio testimonials and uh, uh, invite them to download certain apps to record that. I know I've been using and loving an app. It's like a walkie-talkie app uh, called uh, Roger, and uh, you can send little clip audios. Uh, so it's obviously a lot easier now to get audio testimonials, and obviously you can then transcribe whatever they say. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's just anything that makes it easier for them, because it, it says horrible. It's, it's a bit cringeworthy, isn't it, writing a testimonial for people? It's... Uh, you go too far, and it does sound a little bit salesy, and uh, I, d I don't like doing stuff like that for people. So well, we have to, we have to, you know, walk that line of, uh, especially on our personal freelance site, where, you know, it is going to have to be a little salesy because we're obviously selling our services, mm. but you want it to be real and honest, and just, you know, as upfront about what you do and your success as you can. You know, I mean, it, it seems salesy to say, hey, I've got so many downloads, but you know what? That's what people are looking yeah. at whenever they're going to your site. You know, they're looking at reasons to say, hey, this guy is successful. He could build me a successful app. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. 
Another um, one I've used just for ref, um, references is when they've sent uh, emails and stuff. If you just read through, you just mm. pull a quote out of there and you say, do you mind if I use that quote? And they, they won't mind. Um, yeah. But I've, I've, in fact, quite a few of mine are from that method. So besides the referrals from previous clients, uh, I'm curious what you found works well. I know that you get a lot of referrals from LinkedIn. We had talked about that in a prior yeah. episode. Um, is there anything else uh, advice you have for somebody like me who has had a client that is looking to build more clients and um, has some contacts, but you know, I'm just getting started. So, uh, what would be your advice to somebody like me? So the first one would be to try and create a big network on LinkedIn, just by sort of adding people and trying to form relationships with people and doing the sort of you can sort of do referrals through LinkedIn as well uh, by uh, just asking people that you already know to refer, you know, to, to recommend you to someone else. Um, I do find LinkedIn is the best way, even though I don't like using it because I don't feel like it's it's my own like list of friends. You know, it's it's LinkedIn own that list, but it's, I still <coughs> begrudgingly use LinkedIn for most of my networking. Well, uh, Darren, I've got an um, what I did um, actually for building up the Slack community was to export all the emails of LinkedIn connections. Uh, I've got now I think almost two thousand, and. Uh, and what I know is that some people are actually using that as a list. Hey, you're on my LinkedIn email list. You know, feel free to unsubscribe, and then just send out like you know, regular um, uh, chat. Your, 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 you know, the things yeah. that you're looking for. I didn't, I didn't know you could get the. Uh, I'm already almost going into LinkedIn now to find this feature. Yeah, there's an export somewhere. I think I found yeah. out how to do it. I'd be worried there that depending on how you've got those contacts, because I have used some slightly shady methods whereby I've just added contacts that are CEOs and stuff like that on LinkedIn. Uh, it does only take a couple of, uh, you know, uh, reports to Mailchimp or whatever to get your list banned. And that that would be my only concern. But you know, maybe you could just create, you could. Uh, yeah, you just go through them. Yeah, you could create a subset of that list of people that you you're really sure would be okay. But I mean, I suppose if they're on LinkedIn, that's that's all. They've already accepted that, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. They're you're already connected. They should have some. Uh, and also, it puts control in. You know, with you, you now control their uh, email list in a way because you own it. Yeah, I'm going to do that actually. Nice one. I like that. Uh, Chris. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on something that Darren said uh, about specializing in something. Uh, it might be useful to help you get uh, new clients. Um, something that I heard uh, from the book that I read um, <clears throat> was saying that you should use um, Twitter search. So Twitter search will, if you search for key terms uh, around your area of speciality, so for you, you do app development. So um, you might search terms that um, that associate with your with your field, and then get involved with the discussions that are going in on on Twitter. Um, provide some value and just keep providing value, or maybe even produce content to provide value on those uh, search terms. And then you can reach out to those people and say, Hey, um, would you consider uh, working with me on this? 
Have so have you used Twitter search before? Uh, I, I, I yes. Did, oh, sorry. Go on, Paul. Oh, I would just say that I have used uh, Twitter search a little bit, but not in the way that you're describing for, uh, uh, you know, finding uh, finding people I could chat with about and possibly lead to uh, work. So that's a good idea. Yeah. So one thing, so, one thing you can do using that strategy is some, there's a tool called Plugio, isn't there? Uh, whereby you can, um, you can search for contacts based on interest or common terms, and uh, what you what it basically does is it, it finds people um, who are tweeting those terms, and what you can do is is yeah. I don't use Twitter, so I, excuse the terminology, but you can basically friend those people, and and you 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 essentially hope for a, 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 like a, a responding friend back and that's how you can grow a Twitter list and it's some people have done that to grow like tens of thousands on their lists uh, you know that's that's one thing I, I did actually try and start I started doing that and then I just I ended up just concentrating on LinkedIn to be honest I just I just don't I just don't like Twitter I think Chris you have yeah. to be a bit careful actually with these strategies yeah. uh, I I'm approached by, uh, I would say, two to three app, app builders every single day, and I get this usual LinkedIn message. You know, it's about um, three or four essays. It's like you know, huge, two pages long of their company, and hey, we can build you an app. And I just don't think those work at, at all. Um, and I always know when they're coming. You know, you accept somebody's request, uh, they endorse you for a few skills, and you're like, oh, here it comes. And then the next thing, it's, um, it's, hey, you know, um, it's just, and it's just the way they're approaching me is so, you know, you start to realize this does not work at all. Like, you're expecting me to read two pages of a of a, a company history? It's ridiculous. It's always yeah. web design as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say about um, reaching out to people over t LinkedIn and Twitter, I think it's more about like. People should be providing value. Like, if you're doing it on Twitter, using Twitter search, like, become the the, the sort of guru or specialist in in that topic and provide value to those people. And then maybe those people um, will be will see you as someone who can um, bring value to them. So they'll be willing to work with you. But yeah, I agree with Paul. Like the whole LinkedIn thing and Twitter uh, friend following thing. It, it just backfires. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I, I I completely agree with what you say about becoming that sort of um, specialist in that area. You know, the, the the guy that everyone goes to, sort of thing on Twitter by providing. Some yeah, because the thing with with LinkedIn. Because the, the thing I've, with yeah. the way I've used LinkedIn is is if you can if you can contact the people and and then you just leave it there. You you can try you can try contact, contacting them directly, but if you just leave it. Then when they search for people later on, a few months down the line, or you know, uh, to create an iOS app, they find you, and that's that's how I've generally used LinkedIn. Really, is to just create, mm. and you you can you can use direct communications to try and grow your LinkedIn, uh, you, you know, your contacts. But I don't necessarily sell directly on LinkedIn. I have done it, and it has worked. But I prefer it when they come to me because when they come to you, you've just turned the tables on on the negotiation and everything, haven't you? Because they're coming to you, and uh, it's a, it's a completely different deal. Whereas if you if you're trying to sell, you're sort of offering your services. It's, it's I don't know. I don't like that way of dealing with people. 
Um, Chris, if it helps, I've got a, a chat with the founder of a company called TopTal tonight, and um, they do uh, they recruit. I think the top three, they, their big USP is they recruit the top three percent of uh, developers and designers. So you have to go through kind of like a, a lot of testing uh, to get onto their books, but then they get some really awesome jobs for you to to work on. Uh, and so, I mean, if you're struggling to to, you know, reach out and get jobs and get contract work, then maybe it's better to go through a, a respectable agency. Yeah, I had actually uh, looked at their site um, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if you had told me about it at that time or if I had uh, stumbled upon it. But um, yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting because they're really, they're basically saying, hey, why are you going to freelancer.com and hiring, you know, these jokers? Why don't you get the top developers and come to us? Yes. So. Yeah. Um, well, I want to say something about like um, the trend that's going on with uh, recruitment firms. Like, even if you look at uh, Gigsta, like for them, they're doing the same thing. Top three percent, and I think it also ties down to what Darren was saying in the book. Um, um, looking after your clients even after the job is done. Um, so. Like for me, the, the developers I'm using now, they give me a yes warranty on the work that they've done, they code. If it breaks down, they, they'll fix it. I'm wondering, like, um, do you guys offer like warranties for, for, for your work, and how long is that? Um, I'll just speak real quick at what I did on my current contract, and I think Darren will have a lot better insight on this, uh, and he can tell me if I, what I did was a good idea. I included the first quote bug fix uh, update in the contract um, and I said you know no new features added but you know there might be a bug that's discovered that needs to be fixed so I'll throw that in you just have to notify me within 30 days and actually I'd like to hear uh, some insight from anybody else has in kind of a maintenance contract because this app is an app that the uh, uh, my client wants to add uh, quite a few features over the next couple of years to this app and um, I have been kind of exploring, you know, how to how to work that, how to build that, because I just did a flat, hey, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars to build this uh, app. And, you know, I kind of need some insight into how I would uh, go about billing or how I would set up a contract for maintenance of the app over the next couple of years. Okay, so my take on that really would be you don't really need a contract. Uh, that's what I'd say, and because uh, re really, it's not really guaranteeing either of you anything. Is it? It's not. You know, if, if you change your mind later on and don't want to do it, then that's just how it's going to be, isn't it? But uh, on the other hand, the, the way I'd say it is, I'd just say to them, if you if you need me later on, I'm on this much a day, and that's it, because you just don't know what's going to come up in the future, do you? You don't know yeah. what's going to work, and. I do find, I mean, that this this is probably quite a, this probably sounds quite risky, but I I, I don't even bother with contracts anymore, because I, I just do, I, I work on a day rate, and I just ensure that I get paid weekly, and if at the start of the next week I'm not paid, it's like I'm not going to do any work, and the reason the reason I think we've already spoken about this, but the re, the reason I do it that way is because, uh, I I do I, you know I accept that the the job that you did was really fixed based on because it was based on a previous app that you'd already done wasn't it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. But if, you, if you're doing anything where it's likely to change, and they all do change a lot, um, then it's going to be your loss every single time if you work on anything where you fix uh, fixed prices or anything. I mean, the only way to get a fixed price working, for me anyway, is if we'd gone through, if I'd gone through a, a few iterations on the design and we'd really hardened down the design at that point and we said, look, this is it now, this is the design, it'd be quite easy to come up with some a rough fixed cost, but I'd still have to put some contingents in there, which they wouldn't like because they'd see it as you know, me mitigating their risk. So your clients, I'm sure, are always asking, well, how much is this going to cost me? Remember they're, yeah, you know, in the first time, you know, probably two yeah. minutes after they tell you their idea, what are you typically telling them? I, I just give them the ballpark figure, which they always quote, which really annoys me. But I say, <laughs> do not quote me on this. And because what you can, what you can, the best way of putting this is if they come to you with an idea, you give them a few examples. So if you said, if they say we want an idea, I had one uh, group of guys that said they wanted this roulette game. I said, for example, if you want a game that shows you a dice, that it was actually a dice rolling betting game, that's what it was going to be. I said, if you want a an app that shows a dice and you press the screen and it changes, I'll do that in a couple of days and I could fix price that for you. And I put an app icon on and everything and we'll get on the app store. But I, I know that you won't want that. Because they, they, they start using this term like MVP and things, and they think, yeah, we want an MVP. And it's like, well, actually, what you want is a full app, usually. And then the features start bleeding in. It's like, well, we want you know, we want an integration with um, Betfair or something like that. And then, then you say, well, that's almost impossible for me to quote without actually doing it. Because I don't know their API, for example. So what we could do is we could do that as a separate bit. You know. But it, it usually the quote usually ends up it's going to take something like between two weeks and two months, and that's that's the honesty thing though, isn't it? You've got you've got to say it like that. But I think the thing is if you give them as many options and just show them why you can't give them a reasonable quote, and you you actually if you if you also state the the advantages of that by saying if things change later down the line you you've got the option to change. Also, if things change, you won't be. I won't be rushing to get it out of the door and create something that's low quality. I'll always have, you know, the quality, you know, the, really the best quality stuff coming out all the time. It's very, it's very difficult. But they always quote you the lowest quote. I mean, I, I had someone say it the other day, and it's like, yeah, it was it was three weeks for something that was on a piece of paper that you'd hand drawn. And you've changed everything about three times, and you're wondering why it's taken a little bit longer. So, but you you just got to deal with that. But that's why I just do day rates because it, it can never work any other way. Good stuff. Great. Great. It, does, it does sound like I'm I'm really you know a sleazy programmer to some people, but you know it's, I I don't want to take I, it's not my risk. It's it's their risk. They're they're doing the startup. It's not my risk, and that's how I always put it to them. So you want to take the risk with your money, then you take the risk. Don't expect me to take the risk. It's, development is a risk. It's never simple, is it? Ever. And it's that is the 80-20 rule. You can get 80% of the development. You can get 95% of the development done in a few weeks. And it's just all those little bits and pieces, the edge cases, and that's what stops you. So, so, so I can add a bit of value to this um, discussion in that I can post to our group uh, a step-by-step step on the quotation system 
because um, there's a few rules about quoting. That's like one of the biggest time wasters is actually doing a quote. So um, if you want, Chris, I'll post more details about that. Yeah, excellent. Should we um, now we're not doing the deep dive this week, so it means we've got a bit more time. But uh, we do have to, I guess, um, finish off with um, discussing what we've done to help each other through the week, and um, yeah, like what we think we can do going forward to, to help each of us out. So, does anyone have anything that's happened over the week that they want to uh, share? Or um, you know, explain. Well, Paul, I did have uh, one thought uh, for you uh, as far as uh, uh, your podcast and and networking goes. Um, I don't think I've heard you on other podcasts, and uh, I really enjoyed listening to your deep dive last week. And you're really good at talking about your journey and things like that. And I was just gonna kind of uh, prod you a little and say, have you reached out to try to get on some of the other podcasts uh, to kind of pull your network that way or not? That's great, Chris. I, <laughs> I have been on a few, but I uh, I actually uh, probably need to do a bit more of that. That's that's probably uh, um, something that's a really good thing to do because you get some good exposure. So yeah, thanks for the prod. I will uh, <laughs> I'll see if I can get on. Well, like I, uh, uh, I'm sure some of us listen to um, Entrepreneur on Fire, and you know, I would love an episode with you on uh, that show to hear your answers to some of the some of his questions. You know, so I'm sure that um, you know, it, I know that some of those are hard to get on, but uh, I just think it'd be uh, a really good way to grow your network. Yeah, he's been on my show, so he owes me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, excellent. Um, any um, so yeah, I know that J J Jeffrey. I think we had a bit of feedback from the guy I introduced you to, Bruno, and I, I guess uh, it was like um, the, the app probably is, wasn't quite right for them at this this time. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. Um, so basically, we have to do a few more. Um, we have to introduce a few more features. Like for example, he was speaking about making it multilingual. Because he his his um yes his communities are are in um in three countries I believe I believe his community speaks English Spanish and French um and schedule it is um is only in English so um, um that was one of the issues um he also mentioned he also found a couple of bugs <laughs> um oh, which we uh. Which we ironed out in the in the process, but yeah, I, I think we we still have a number of um, um, features to to roll out before it's the right app for for his particular situation. Yeah, just to the group, I introduced uh, Jeffrey to uh, the founder of uh, Presta Shop and um, Bruno. Certainly uh, had some feedback. Um, this was very helpful and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's sometime in the future I'll be reaching out to him again and um, showing him how we've um, moved forward. Fantastic. And and Rouse, we had that um, where Chris th said you didn't respond, and I'm sure you did, and it kind of got cross-wired. Um, has there been any follow-up? to? I introduced uh, Rouse to Chris Jones, the investor in Boston, and, um, yeah, he said that 
you didn't reply, but I believe that's probably a miscommunication. Yeah, um, I sent an email uh, to him and to say, hey, uh, Paul was on your pod, well, you were on Paul's podcast, and uh, so um, he said he, he, um, he said that it looks good, and uh, he says good luck. Um, Is he going to invest? And, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think at this moment. No, I think oh, okay. what, what I'm probably looking for more now uh, would be like advice, like once we launch and once we get going. Because what I want us to do first is to get some traction and get some numbers, um, some revenue going, and then you know it'll be good to to get um, his thoughts on. But we've opened up a lot of dialogue, which is good. Yeah. Um, so he's a, he's a big can, investor. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for that. That's good. It's okay. Uh, they're the two things I had. Does anyone else have any follow-ups from uh, the week or any thoughts on how we could help going forward? Um, I did want to ask Darren uh, how his online uh, training courses, how that uh, kind of plan is going, because that's something that I'm thinking about uh, what I could possibly yeah, offer. <laughs> right. Um so, can you hear me? I don't know if I've muted myself. Yes. No, yes. we can hear you. We can hear so, yeah, you. So, um, I've been on holiday, but um, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's insane. I've done that. Now, listen, I've done quite a lot, you see. Right. So, what, so the, the way it is, so this this is this is what the webinar is going to be anyway. So, I've 100% decided it's going to be a complete walkthrough. I think I think this is what I told you before. It's going to be a really high level walkthrough for um, CEOs and non techie founders. Of how to create an app, so that's that's a definite. So like you, Paul, I'm I'm going to be looking for uh, people forming teams and stuff like that. They, the, I think they're the people that I need to attract. Um, people that just want an overview and perhaps need help with, uh, for example, for example, hiring iOS developers and just understanding the whole process. Um, so that's where I want to get in at. So what what I'm doing is. At the moment, is I've I've, cre I've already created some Facebook ads to <clears throat> and uh, some landing pages on my website. Uh, that's actually not going as well as it did last time because um, I did I actually started this uh, last November and uh, that went quite well. But I I've, I've only just started this week again uh, doing those Facebook adverts to be honest. So that's where I'm at with those. So what I'm actually doing now is I, I was listening to a, a really good I forget the number but I can post it later a really good Amy Porterfield episode. Where she, she it's it's one where she's talking about building your email list using existing content, and she actually says that you can do it backwards. You can do it before you've got your, for example, your final offering. So what I'm doing is I'm going to take the first part of my um, my webinar, which is going to be just how to how to do wireframings. You know how to go from an app idea into a wireframe that you could perhaps give to a developer or something like that, because that's the sort of high level I'm looking at, and I'm going to going to do, do that as a little mini training video and I'm going to try and drive people to that and use that as a method to get people's uh, email addresses and that's like a, so the first stage I've got to do anyway because I want, I want to get this really quite polished. I'm not going to over polish this product, I'm really not, but I want to get it really quite nice. So I'm going to use that as a mechanism to get people's email addresses and uh, th there'll be some sort of like freebie on that site and that's the way she suggests. Um, that you should actually try and get the email addresses. And then from there, I want to just finish the webinar off and go, because I've got the app idea that I'm actually going to, I'm going to develop an app 
um, a really quite a simple app. And I'm going to develop that start to finish and record it. And I'm actually not going to want to do the webinar. I'm actually not going to do a live webinar. I'm going to do a pre-recorded webinar with a live chat at the bottom. Because when I did them last time, um, and I've seen quite a few people say this, when you do live webinars initially, the, it's such an overwhelming experience. It's like we've had with doing the Google Hangouts. Just getting over that technical hurdle just really stresses you out, and you start off on a really bad footing. So what I want to do is I want to pre-record most of the stuff and then just go in at the start and the end and then just do live chat on the chat window. Uh, so that that's where I'm at at the moment, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I, I've actually, I, I'm really, really focusing on this. I'm, I'm not moving away from it. I've, I've had those thoughts like, what else can I do? And I, I've had to bring myself back in line because I've, I've got to at least prove this. That's, that's, I'm so determined to do this. So, so you've, Aaron, I've got two ideas for you. Yeah. Uh, one is last last year I had an advertiser on my show called Charlene Keating, and she ran the Appreneur Summit, and I think she monetized that extremely successfully. It was basically a virtual summit, so very similar to what you're doing. Uh, so I could either introduce you to her, or maybe you could take a look at the um, the format that she did. It was uh, content drip fed out every day. And then there was a, a kind of paywall and um, lots of follow-up emails, so loads of uh, stuff that she did. And I think it was um, quite a good money, Anna, for her. Uh, so that's the Appreneur Summit that I was on. That's, that's, that really sounds like the sort of thing I want to do. I want to, I want to be giving, giving away as much as I can just to, just to pre-qualify myself as an expert in this field. That, I know, I know that's what would you like me to introduce you? Definitely, really would, yeah. Okay. And um, would you be able to email me a quick short, like one sentence about yep. what you're doing, and I can just copy and paste that in the intro. Straight after this, yeah. Cool. Um, and the other one is I'm chatting in a few hours to um, I think that uh, Chris knows uh, Paul Salt, who uh, oh, yeah. Raised, mm -hmm. yeah he raised a few I think he raised over a hundred thousand on Kickstarter to do various Swift training. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's had a lot of success. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, so I think, um, I'm not sure, but I'm going to have a 15-minute chat with him. Is there anything I, I, um, I could do to bring his attention to what you're doing, or do you think there's any collaboration between, I don't know, I'm just... Uh, I, I think there may be. Um, I just want to, I think I might know who this guy is. I think he's, did, did he write a book? On, uh, um, I'm not sure, let me... Um, he, uh, he does iPhone apps made easy or something like that is the yeah, website. I, I know his name anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's nothing we could... Make. Have a think about it and then... Well, actually, if... yeah, it's, it's a different sort of domain really. I'm, I'm really trying to keep away from the programming side of things, but I'm going, to show, I'm going to show how the apps are made, but I'm not really going to go into the technicalities of it because I think that's... Uh, I'm, I'm sort of really aiming at a high level. I don't want to get... Show people yeah. yeah, the reason I have mentioned it is that he emailed me um, a, while, a few weeks ago. And he said he was absolutely crushing it with like uh, the scarcity type stuff where, um, you know, his webinars go in and uh, uh, they are taken offline. And uh, so I, I know that he, he's done very well in, in the whole kind of scarcity type well, that's the thing with the marketing that's technique. so good over a YouTube video, isn't it? You, you pull people in, it makes it an event, doesn't it? And they've they've invested in that sort of signing up process. They come into the webinar, they, they want to see it through to the end, and that's what really attracts me to it, actually, is, is that whole scarcity thing. 
Well, one thing that Paul uh, Salt, I think, has really nailed is just the whole process uh, you know that that you and I, I'm sure, will be stumbling through a little bit as we do our first, you know, online training courses that you know people like Amy Porterfield really have figured out. Uh, he's really nailed it, I think, as far as how he has the whole training course set up and then the quality of the video and everything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at all. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. Is I'll, I'll look at all that he's done. Obviously, it's good quality, and then I'll come back with some questions and stuff because I'd, I'd love to speak to someone who's actually done this already. And yeah, then, no, it's it's. Um, I'll just mention it because in three hours I'm going to be chatting with him. So if you can think of any questions you want me to throw in in three hours, then. Um, I'm going to look at it now. Yeah, I. Uh, Super easy apps he does, does he? Uh, so they were. Yeah. It's even that landing page. Yeah, he sponsored my newsletter at one point, so you can ask him if he wants to sponsor that again if you've got some questions for him. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, his landing, his landing page is awesome. So on his landing page of his website, he's got read the blog or get notified. It's just so nice. So yeah, that's that's, that's what I mean. He's really, he has really nailed it. The look is uh, great. Uh, he's the wording. His copy is just perfect. I mean, he's really done a, an awesome job at you know setting it up. I'm not going to be on your website now. That's for sure. <laughs> He's got the results too, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and we've got two more minutes left then. Uh, is there any other business uh, for us to discuss? Um, 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 Darren, if you want some feedback on your landing page, I can, I can have a look at that if you want. Yeah, I'll, I'll send over some links uh, to, the, to the forum. Great. Um, Paul uh, and everybody, I really liked uh, how we picked the topic and focused on it this week. Um, it might be something we might want to think about uh, until we get more members in where, you know, we're not recycling the deep dives like we talked about because, um, you know, there's a lot of topics that each of us could really, uh, you know, give a lot of good insight into that um, helps all of us that if we're not going to do the deep dive, you know, like today the book really spurned this talk about uh, contracting and freelancing and it really found it interesting and certainly helped me and I, I think everybody else got something out of it too. So um, might be something to think about for next week and going forward until we get the group built up a little bit more. Yeah, maybe we do every new member does the deep dive so that we, I mean, remember, see, I always thought the purpose of this was to, educate everyone else on what we do so that they can go out and basically be uh, our super kind of referral or you know super fan and, and so um, yeah you know rather yeah so like uh, that, I guess that's the format that I learned from the networking event that I used to attend mm -hmm. but uh, there's absolutely no point in recycling the deep dives if there's only um, five of us so, so maybe it's just keep that until we we could grow to ten. Yeah, and we could also have it where, you know, if, uh, you know, we could pick a challenge every week too, uh, somebody to just say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with right now, whether it's creating online training courses or, you know, setting up contract work, whatever it is, um, this is what I'm struggling with. And, uh, you know, we can just kind of play with the format until we get more uh, people in the group. But it, just some ideas there. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. So we could yeah. do a, a couple of books maybe to trigger things off um, like that one. Yeah. Because like it's a good start, isn't it? 
And Rouse, did you have any final things? I heard. Did you jump in now at the end? Yeah. Um. For Darren, uh, he was talking about his course. Um. I, I just remembered now. I listened to uh, 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 P Young's um, podcast. He was talking to the one of the founders of Branch.io, and something that helped them start was doing uh, meetups, starting doing meet, going to meetups and stuff. So for Darren, he, the the course that you're doing is people who want to make apps. If there's a local meetup happening around you. Um, Around that, people going there. Some of the people going there uh, might be interested in in your course, knowing how to uh, do wireframes and stuff like that. So, think, might be something to look into. Right one of the things I did a couple of years ago, and I was working in London because I, I just work at home all the time now. But when, yeah. I, was, when I was down in London, I, I did actually use, and that's something for Chris uh, as well. Is I did use uh, Meetup quite a lot. Um, yeah. To to get contract work and. A t a t sorry to turn this around, but a tip for Chris though is that if you if you go to meetups for don't go develop don't do, don't go to developer meetups. You go to like startup founder meetups and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and, you and know, just find your customers, go in front of your customers, and then that you just find they are looking for you. You're the person. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. Uh, that's what I, I know, do need to do. That you're dead right. I, I, I need to go to those to some meetups. I'm going to do that actually. That's the best. Well, I. I can tell you my wife does a lot of networking uh, in our area. She works for a charity organization, and there's a ton of networking events in our area, which were, you know, Kansas City is a pretty good-sized town, but it's not like in New York or Chicago. But, um, you know, the developer meetup even that I spoke at just a few weeks ago, um, there were two or three business people there that went there because they're wanting to, you know, have apps developed or they're looking into figuring out, you know, what the next step is for their business. So. Um, both the startup meetups, the um, iOS developer meetups, and a lot of these networking events just around town, you know, there's a, there's a lot of them that you're probably not aware of if you just kind of looked it up. You know, this this one may meet every Thursday, you know, and it might be a $5 to get in. And just there's tons of business people there all trying to network. It's pretty good fun as well, isn't it? I, I quite enjoy getting Okay, there we go. There's the end of the podcast for anyone who's listened to this. Uh, as a podcast, remember to give us a five-star review on iTunes or any other platform. Guys, thanks for another great session. Uh, feel inspired yeah. for the rest of the week. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, Okay, everyone. Bye-bye for now, then. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.